0: all right. So the whole choreographing thing, I just want you to know, don't, don't underestimate me. (laughs) My wife, uh, my kids and I, they, they get into this one CD and it's a kid's worship CD. And we together just made this whole like choreographed thing. And my big issue with that is I'm just trying to like Pick one, because I'm so good at choreographing the whole CD. So just pray for me with that. Uh, If you're visiting, my name is Peter. I serve as the lead pastor. And I'm excited about the unshakables. We're in week four of our series, unshakables. You can be shaken in life and yet remain unshaken and unshakable in faith. Another way of putting it? is that uh, in the many storms of life, you can go through and not around them and yet remain storm-proof. These 12 pillars of faith that this summer we're latching onto and reinforcing, not just here on Sunday mornings, but also in your personal study of the 12 chapters of the Purple Book, which we've made available to you for free in the back. Uh, It just costs you your time and focus and faith. Uh, for the sake of you and your children in the future. But these 12 things are the really, they're they're 12 non-negotiable things for the Christian life. And today we're talking about unshakable power. Power. I remember being in an office building in an Every Nation ministry training a few years back in Tennessee, and a big storm blew through and cut off the power in that building. And the emergency generators weren't functioning properly. And needless to say, our meeting got extremely sidetracked. Well, I'm here to tell you that we have something better and available to us. That when the storms of life come through, we have something better than even a well-functioning emergency generator. We have power in the person of the Holy Spirit who is ready when storms are there and ready to empower us, uh, whether it's an emergency or not. We just need to plug into him. Would you stand to your feet with me? We're going to actually start off where we left off last week, in Acts chapter 2. And Peter is defending a strange and wonderful and mysterious moment of power in the Holy Spirit that everyone just saw. And most everyone was freaked out by. And they had just asked him a question about the gospel. And he is answering their question about how they can participate in the gospel and how they need to respond to the good news of Jesus and what Jesus' life implies on our lives. And he says this in verse 38. This is what we read last week. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, for this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God, our God, calls to himself. God's word. Thank you. Y'all can be seated as we pray. Holy Spirit, please add a blessing to the reading of your word. Help us to not take for granted that you inspired the words that are in this book, the the same power that the, the words that brought the universe into existence put words that we can record in our own language and translate, and we can read the very words of you, the very breath of God. And we're asking you, Lord, to help us now for it to make sense in our lives, Lord, Without that, then all my preparation and uh, my attempts at humor today or, or uh, good thoughts or uh, my attempts at communication, it's all worthless unless you are, are pleased to come and draw near to us and help the word make sense in our souls. So I'm asking just that. Would you illuminate your word in us today, Holy Spirit? Be gracious to illuminate it in us for your sake, for the sake of your name, for the sake of our joy, for the sake of the salvation of those in this room and those who will be empowered by you to go from this room and do miraculous things in the lives of others. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Y'all, this here, can you see it in the back? This is a light bulb. But it's not just a light bulb. This is a a state-of-the-art, dimmable, Philips LED light bulb. Uh, These are the ones that we have on our stage that dim like this, so you're not having to blink when you're looking up at me. These suckers cost about six times the average conventional bulb. This is a well-engineered bulb. But if you look closely, see if anyone can guess... There's one significant deficiency at this point with this bulb. Can anyone guess what that is? It's not producing light. And there's an obvious reason for that. It's not plugged in. It's not screwed in. It's well engineered in form, but it's just not screwed into the power source. Likewise, the Christian life is meant to consist of both form and power. It's both, it's not either or. Now, if you're, if you're plugged into power, but you're not a, a well-engineered bulb, then that can be pretty dangerous. It's like if you, aren't, uh, if you don't have your theology straight, if you're not well-engineered with good doctrine, that's a problem. It's like a, a line down that's plugged into the power. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's arcing and creating sparks. It's dangerous. If you don't reverently consider Scripture and who Jesus is and what he's done, you can be plugged into power technically, and yet it's not transferable. And worse yet, it could be dangerous. Because power without form is dangerous or at best non-transferable but on the other hand form without power is dead many people can react to the misuse of power like a like a bulb that's not right it's 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 short circuiting they can react to what we see on christian tv where there's power and there's not right form this is not Right thinking about how scripture is. And many people, well many people can react to the abuse by misuse of God's power and react with the twin sister sin, the abuse by neglect of power. Like a uh, a well-engineered bulb that's just not plugged in. So is a supposedly right thinking Christian who's not plugged into the source of power. Today, we want both form and power. I know several well-meaning Christians in my life who, who basically kind of draw the wrong conclusion that God isn't still empowering His children the way we've seen in the past, the way it describes in the Word of God. And the conclusion isn't based off of what they read from Scripture, It's actually based on the experiences that they've had or the lack of experiences they've had. And so they conclude that, well, since God, uh, since I'm not seeing this in my life, it's not because I'm not seeking it. It's probably because God's just not giving it. And that's a wrong conclusion. The progression that Peter lays out here in Acts chapter 2 to people in the first century Uh, the progression of how we're supposed to respond to the Bible and the promises associated with it. It's the same progression that God expects of us today and he's made available to us today. It's the power of God. This progression, if you look back in your Bible, if you have your Bible, verse 38, Peter responds to them, repent. Number one, we talked about repentance last week. Then he says, every one of you be baptized or immersed in water. And then he says, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says that this promise is for everyone. He goes on to say that this this gift of the Holy Spirit thing, it's not the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit because these people that were enabled to be able to repent, they already had the person of the Holy Spirit with them and in them. When he says, the, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, literally it's a possessive. It's receive the gift that the Holy Spirit gives. He's talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit that they had just seen and experienced. Uh, that, that prophets like Joel had talked about. That in the last days, the sons and daughters would be empowered with the Holy Spirit. He's talking about what Jesus shared about in every gospel account, and there's very few things in that category. All four gospel accounts talk about this empowerment, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. He calls it a promise, and it's for everyone. It's for you. Everyone say, it's for me. And check this out. He, he clarifies that. Verse 39, for this promise is for you and your children and for all. Everyone say all. All All who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. If God is still calling people to follow Jesus, which he is, then he has still made available the power through the person of the Holy Spirit for us to walk and do what he called us to do. And we still must seek it. We are supposed to, it's actually a command, to seek the greater gifts, to seek the power of God, to do the purpose of God. He says this promise is for everyone, and yet look, not everyone really wants to receive it, and even a lot of Christians. And I'm not just going to point my finger at other people, because after coming to know Jesus, I, there's this mysterious thing that happened in my heart when I had the gospel preached to me and I saw new life. And yet, a few years later, I had my first encounter with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, with prophecy, uh, the gift of tongues, with some of the power things that we see in the Bible. And let me just tell you, I was uncomfortable. And there was something inside me that wanted to believe that I was uncomfortable because they're wrong. And it was easy at that time to lump in, okay, these are the bad, weirdo, charismaniac, Pentecostal people that are doing weird stuff like I see on TV, and they're wrong and I'm right, Uh, which is a tendency that we all do. Uh, If there's something that I don't like, it's probably because you know it's my wife's fault or it's someone else's fault, right? And I saw this power and I didn't like it, and I wanted to walk away from it. I wanted to lump them into a category that didn't cause me to have the onus on me to seek this out. But if you read in the Bible, how many times do you ever see people encounter God and they're totally comfortable with it? I I can't think of a moment where someone encounters the presence of God and they're just comfortable. So there is a moment where you encounter the power of God and it's better than comfortable. It's powerful. And if you wrongly lump everything into the category of the wrong kind of power then you might be grieving the holy spirit who wants to do more in your life than you've seen thus far everyone say more he's still giving he's still generous and he wants you to seek him the bible warns about in 2nd timothy about having a form of godliness but denying its power We want to not only press into God, but press into his power with more and more earnestness. I dare say that too many evangelical Christians today, people that know the Bible and maybe grew up with this, are either grieving the Holy Spirit by misuse of his gifts, but also by neglect of them. So That's not going to be us, church. We are going to press in and seek God for all that he has for us, all that he's promised in the word of God. And here's how I want to organize uh, my thoughts in in declaring the gift of the Holy Spirit and who he is. If you're you're old enough like me, you remember that uh, famous investigative question that Arnold Schwarzenegger asked. Uh, Remember, who is your daddy and what does he do? Uh, if you haven't seen Kindergarten Cop in a while. Uh, That's kind of how I I thought about that quote when I was thinking about how I want to organize my thoughts here. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? And how do I experience him in my life? So, who is the Holy Spirit? I actually want Jesus to answer this question. And I'm going to go to a scripture that we read two weeks ago in our Lordship message, uh, when we were talking about unshakable surrender. Jesus says... If you love me, you're going to do what I say. And then in John 14, in verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's a person. He's not a force. If you're a Star Wars junkie, he's a person. He's every bit bit as much a person as God the Father and God the Son. With With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified, the creeds say. He's a person, not a force. He's a person, not a puzzle. He, he does not want to be... He, he is mysterious. He's mysterious. He is the Holy Spirit. It's hard for us to grapple, grapple with that and wrap our minds around that. So he is mysterious, but he is not uh, trying to pull away and remain confusing to anyone. He's a person. He's not a puzzle. He wants to be known by you. He can be known by you. He makes himself known to you. He's a person. And furthermore, Jesus says he's a person that embodies truth itself. He calls him here the spirit of truth. But also he says that his most distinctive quality, if you were going to give him a nickname, think about the nicknames people have given you. Jesus gives this person a nickname, helper. He is a helper. Now we talked last week, if you remember, about unshakable change, about repentance, that you need to change. You need to walk in a new direction in obedience with God. Now, I want to clarify that change isn't difficult, it's impossible without a helper. Without God helping you, you can't change. And if you think you don't need help, then you don't know God and you don't know yourself. He is a helper. We need help. He likes to help. Check this out. God the Father has preordained, planned, predestined a life for you to live that is impossible. Check this out. The only way you can live the way he wants you to live is if his very son comes and lives the life that you should have lived, earns eternal life, and then trades what you've earned and what I've earned for what he's earned by living the life we should have lived and then deciding nonetheless to die the death that we should have died in our place, a gruesome, ugly death, because your sin, even though we, were, we try to think it's super cute, it's gruesome and it's ugly, and Jesus dies on our behalf so that the same spirit that raised him from the dead three days later raises us to new life. And that's, that's how we change. That's how we live this new life. You cannot live the life that God's called you to live without the helper. He helps. That's what he does. He is a helper because that's who he is and that's what he does. He wants to help you because he loves you. Not only do you need help, but he wants to help you because that's who he is. And he loves you and he loves to help. You know, the Geico commercial, you know, if, uh, if you want to save, you know, money on your car insurance, you switch to Geico. Well, I thought about that. If you are the Holy Spirit and you want to help people, you're going to help people because that's who you are. And that's what you do. I, that sounded like it was going to make sense a lot better. When I thought about it. But he is a helper. That's who he is and that's what he does and that's who you need. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you need more of his help. To help you turn to more of Jesus and more of his glory in your life. Now this is getting into our second question. Uh, the Holy Spirit is, is the spirit of truth. He is a helper. Now what does he do? If you're taking notes, I want you to, to you know, stretch a little bit and get ready because we could go on for days with what the Holy Spirit does, but I have a short list here. First of all, here we go. Number one, the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit creates new life in us. This is known as the doctrine of regeneration. We are dead. He makes us not dead, regenerated. Jesus uh, was clarifying to Nicodemus how... Unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And it seems like to me, like Nicodemus is kind of giving him some almost like mocking, jeering questions. And Jesus answered, John 3, 5 and 6, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. You must be born of the Spirit. Otherwise, you're still dead in your sin and your flesh. And He graciously, the Holy Spirit, gives us life from the dead. He regenerates. He applies the fully purchased life, the justification of sin, forgiveness of sin that Jesus purchased on the cross. He applies it into the account of those he's drawing to the Father. He regenerates Number two, he transforms us to be more like Jesus. If you're breathing right now, and you're born again, maybe not everyone in here is, and that's fine. If you're born again, that's what he's doing through the word of God right now. Those he has predestined, he also justified. Those he justified, he also is sanctifying. He is, he is causing us to be transformed to be more like Jesus. Everyone say, more Jesus. More Jesus. That's the goal of your life. That's the hang-up in your marriage, in your finances. You need more Jesus, and the Holy Spirit helps you with that. 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed Into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, the confusing part of how God's cleaning us up and sanctifying us, making us more holy, is that even though we're made in God's image, we're fallen from God's image, and Jesus justifies us nonetheless and continues to make us more holy, more like Himself. This is what the Holy Spirit helps in. I love this, this is, a, this is a process from one, we are all being transformed. It's a process. Now, we, uh, in this building, we're pretty much done with our renovation. And it looks good. But I want you to know that Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father, they're not done renovating you. You are still a work in process, pro- in progress. Some of y'all just need to realize that uh, because maybe you think you've arrived, right? There's that pride thing going on Uh, and you just need to know, no, you're still in process. Some of y'all, you condemn yourself too much and you need to understand that you are a work in progress and you need to not give up on yourself because the Holy Spirit hasn't given up on you. He's still here to help. Regeneration, sanctification, and then number three, he affirms our sonship with the Father, our identity. Galatians 4, 6, And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba is, is, a, is really a word in Hebrew that's it's like Daddy. The Holy Spirit helps you to connect to God the Father with intimate words like this deep in your soul. Most of your biggest issues in your destructive habits aren't just things that you have to learn to do better, but fundamentally before that, there are are confusions about who you are and whose you are and your identity before God. And it's not just habits of things we do, it's fundamentally confusion about understanding our vital standing before God. And guess what? If you struggle with that like I do because I'm insecure too, there's good news. There is a helper available to you. He is here right now. He affirms our sonship with the Father. Number four, he enriches us with his character, otherwise known as fruitfulness. It's a state of being, fruitfulness. It's not a state of doing. It's a state of being. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are character traits of who God is, and the Holy Spirit helps you to do things like God does, which is a fruitful life, not wasting your life, but check this out. It's because he helps you embody who God is. You need to know that fruitfulness in life is a state of being, like God, and being made to be more like God, reflecting His fruit. And because of that, you reflect how He does things. He enriches us with His character. The Holy Spirit, number five, teaches us and guides us with wisdom and revelation. John 14, 26, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus even goes on uh, to say that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. Later he says, when you're brought before governors, don't worry about what to say. The Spirit will give you the words. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, Typically I like to not be the antagonist of my stories, but often I am. So at least I have a story, all right? Uh, about three weeks ago, we were in the middle of our uh, the, our renovation, and we had established 101 right after church. And our church was an exceptional mess that day. We had closed this door off completely and like screwed in like a plate over it, and it was all closed off. The day before, we had uh, been moving a bunch of stuff into that room and trying to clean up this room. And I had printed for Establish 101 that we were doing right after church that Sunday. I had printed off a bunch of brochures, and I put them in a special place. But someone, and I haven't found out who you are yet, uh, probably me, uh, put that box of brochures in this closet that we'd locked all in. Uh, I didn't know that's where it was at the time, and I was frantically after church the next day, Sunday, looking for that because we had 15 minutes before our class, right? And so I couldn't find it. And I decided I'm going to take care of business because that's what I do. I activate things. And so I had my solution ready. And uh, the printer was disobeying me. (laughs) And so I had 13 minutes left. And I decided I'm going to do plan B. And I'm going to run to Office Depot and print a whole bunch of new ones. And on my way out, Daniel sees me, sees that I'm being frantic, and he says, hey, Peter, can I talk to you for a minute? And I gave him that look. But, you know, I'm a pastor, so I can't really say mean things. But what I was thinking is, I don't have time for this. <laughs> and what he wanted was to help me. And so I said, okay, but make it quick, because I, got, I, go, I got stuff to do. <laughs> and he didn't know, other than what the Holy Spirit had guided him in, that I was looking for anything. I kind of made it clear, but he knew there was something. And with compassion that comes from God, he prayed. He said, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, through a word of wisdom, put in Peter's mind exactly where that thing is that he's looking for. Amen. And so, you know, I pat him on the back and said, you know, good prayer. But now I'm going to like, <laughs> now in my mind, I was like, now nah, I'm really going to go, you know, find the answer on my own here. And I go to Office Depot and they look at me and they're like, I have no idea. Our printers are down, so I had seven minutes left, and I go back to like try two with our printer there. And I kid you not, in my mind, I saw something that I had never seen before. Uh, I had I had never previous to this seen the box of brochures where it was, but I saw them on like a ledge inside this room, and so I went and just tore that little piece off the door, and a stream of light goes right in right on where they were. And most often, God rebukes me like this with blessing. And he'll do this in your life too. Some of the most convicting things in your life is how God leads you with his kindness. And uh, it was still a little frantic with Establish 101 if you were there, but we did it. And we had our class. I can tell you, there's so many stories like this (laughs) I'm like, I guess we should just pray. (laughs) It's come to that. No, that should be like our go to, right? Well, I'm not good at that, but I have a helper. I have a helper, and his name is the Holy Spirit, and he empowers people like Daniel. The Holy Spirit teaches and guides us. Number six, he empowers us to share the gospel. He empowers us to share the gospel. In response, in Acts chapter 1, they had just seen Jesus die, and they're super depressed, and then he's not dead, and they're super happy, and they're still not getting that Jesus is not uh, a political leader. And they ask him at the start of Acts chapter 1, hey, when are you going to restore Israel? Like, hey, when are you going to, you know, take over Rome and stuff? And it's kind of like us when we ask, hey, when is... You know, when are we going to stop going to war in the Middle East? Or when is health care going to be affordable? Or when are the Democrats and the Republicans going to get things together and agree on stuff? And Jesus' answer to us with our questions like that is the same answer to them when they were asking, when are you going to restore Israel? His answer is, you, verse 8 of chapter 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. This was a promise that was given to people who already had the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. They were born again. They knew Jesus. They were regenerated. And yet there was more that the Holy Spirit, the helper, wanted to do so that they could do what God called them to do. They had the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them like wells. And the Holy Spirit was fixing to make those wells into springs. It's one of the reasons I love the name of our church. We are about multiple people. Tapping into the power and the promise of the Holy Spirit when he promises to empower you to be a witness and he delivers on that promise if you would just allow him and seek him. He wants to empower you to be a witness. And listen, evangelism and miraculously touching other people's lives even with miracles and just the right words, it's not about your personality, it's about a helper. Regardless of if you're an introvert or an extrovert, or whatever you define yourself, the helper wants to empower you to be a witness. Finally, he gifts us each for ministry. This is equipping. 1 Corinthians 12, verses four through six. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. If you're a Christian in here, If you're born again, God has called you to be a minister. And I I have like title pastor on my list and I'm like the official minister technically here. But according to the Bible, my job is to participate with the Holy Spirit in equipping you to minister and to be fruitful. And the Holy Spirit is here to help you and give you a variety of different gifts because there is a singularity of mission That he wants us to be called to. He wants us to seek to be a small part of something huge rather than just being a typical millennial or whatever that just wants to be a huge part of something small. And he's here to give you gifts, to be the you that he's designed you to be if you'll just receive it. He's still generous if we're still receptive. He even commands us earnestly, earnestly desire the greater gifts, especially that you would prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14. That leads to my last question. Number three, how do I experience Him in my life? It's a real simple question. How do I experience the Holy Spirit? Has a real simple answer, a one word answer. Ask. Ask. You don't have to dance around to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to dance around to get his attention. You don't have to uh, give an extra offering. You don't have to examine whether or not your faith is strong enough and just like clench your fists and your face. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Remember, the Holy Spirit isn't a puzzle. He's a person. He doesn't want you to try to have faith in your faith. He wants you to have faith in who he is and the fact that he is a helper. He is a generous helper. He wants you to rest he wants you to receive and he wants you to ask. Luke 11, Jesus says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will instead give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Would you pray with me?